This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. Plenty to go over from last night, but just a feel-good story in a meaningless game for the Ottawa Senators. They beat the Vancouver Canucks 5-2. Can't lose if you're the Canucks trying to battle for that Pacific Division to the Ottawa Senators. But we'll get to that in just a moment when we go over the standings. But what what a great, great game for Bobby Ryan. He has gone through so much um, in, in recent years, and he returns to the lineup. He picks up a hat trick for the Ottawa Senators in their 5-2 to two win. It's Ryan's first three-goal game since December 29th of 2014. He says, I don't know what I was expecting tonight. I was just kind of hoping to take a step forward within my individual game. And it was his second game since coming back from the NHL-NHLPA Players Assistance Program. So, you know, they were talking about during the Devil game last night when the uh, Devils lost in overtime to the uh, the um, San Jose Sharks. You know, Ken Danico uh, was talking about it. Um, because he had gone through a similar situation back in the day when he played, and so he can really empathize with what Bobby Ryan was going through. And such a good kid and kind of local here from the New York area, from South Jersey, and in a kind of meaningless game for the Ottawa Senators where they're just kind of playing the role of spoiler. They did just that against Vancouver. Uh, but just a great moment for Bobby Ryan. you got to feel good for him in a step forward. He's a really good player. He really is. And he's towards the tail end of his career, obviously, you know, on a bad team going through some bad situations. But that was a nice moment in Ottawa. So Vancouver, you know, takes that regulation loss. They're now four points back of Vegas, but they still have two games in hand. So Vancouver's still in pretty good shape. They're in a tie with Edmonton with 74 points, but they've played one less game. And in the RW wins, that's where Vancouver can be affected. They're one behind Vegas, two behind Edmonton. And you still have Calgary creeping up there, just a point back of Vancouver. But they've played 65 games, and they've got just 23 RWs. And again, if you're new to the whole change in the rules, it used to be row wins was the first tiebreaker um, regulation and overtime wins. But now it's just regulation wins are weighed more than overtime wins. So the row uh, goes for overtime and shootouts, but if you can win in regulation, that's uh, a lot better for you when you get the tiebreakers. And with things so tight in the Pacific Division, that certainly uh, can come into play. Uh, the Lightning lose their fourth consecutive game. What's going on there? I mean, they were the hottest team in the league, 11-game winning streak, now a four-game losing streak. They blow a two-goal lead at home to Chicago. Chicago wins that game 5-2. to two. So nothing really to be concerned about with Tampa, although they're probably costing themselves a chance to win the division. They are right now seven points back of Boston with a game in hand. Both teams have 40 wins, but Boston uh, has 35 RWs as opposed to Tampa's 32. So they might be costing themselves the division here. Uh, Probably not that big of a deal for the first round. Play Toronto, I think they'll be the heavy favorite, but it could mean that in the second round you could very well be playing on the road for a possible Game 7 against the Boston Bruins. So I'm not sure how much that's in the mind of Tampa here late in February with so many games left to play. But it's just odd that out of nowhere, after 11-game winning streak, they've dropped four in a row. As for Chicago, trying to hold out some hope here of uh, making a run into the postseason. Still a lot of work to be done here. Nashville's got the last spot with 72. Chicago's got 64. 
They've got one more game played than Nashville, so it's probably not going to happen for Chicago, but uh, just a good job out of them to try to keep uh, a pulse. Rangers win their ninth straight on the road. They win in Montreal against the Canadians 5-2. to two. They spot the Canadians a 2 nothing lead. But the Rangers kind of nip at it, down 2-1 going into the third. They score four unanswered goals, including uh, the empty netter to put it away. And it ends up being the usual suspects for the Rangers after the Di Giuseppe gets his first goal as a Ranger to make it 2-1. Zabanajad ties it in the third, 11.06 in. So they were trailing midway through the third period on the road. Then Adam Fox gets the game winner a little over a minute later. He's had a tr- tremendous season, his seventh goal. Ryan Strom has been a, a complete find. He's found a home here with the Rangers. The power play goal that snaps the, um, that makes it 4-2. And that came with less than five minutes to go. And then Strom gets his second, his 18th into the empty net. Thought maybe it might have went off Panarin's stick, but it didn't. So no goals for Panarin, although he did have a good game with a couple of assists. So Panarin just continues to rage as far as his point totals are concerned. Right now, uh, Panarin, has a grand total of 87 points on the year in 62 games. So he has just been a fantastic player for the New York Rangers. And it's really accelerated the rebuild, right? The way the Panarin has played, you know, the Rangers now find themselves in a realistic chance to make the playoffs. It looked like a pipe dream, but this five-game winning streak and the nine straight on the road have really put them in a situation where they've got an excellent chance now to make the playoffs. They stand right now tied with Carolina with 74 points. Both of them are two points back of Columbus for that final wild card spot, but the Rangers have two games in hand on the Blue Jackets. The Rangers will be in Philly tonight, second of back to backs. Now the Rangers are seven and three in the second of back to backs, but you know the Rangers have won nine straight on the road, eighteen, eleven, and two overall. But Philadelphia has been twenty-two, five and four at home, so that's going to be an interesting matchup. Second of back to backs, tough spot for the Rangers. And then they'll have the um, afternoon game on Sunday, the back end of the home-and-home against Philadelphia. So things are going to get very tight for the Rangers. But they're right there, two points back at Columbus. They're four points back of the Islanders, who lost in overtime to St. Louis last night. So a couple of back-to-back overtime losses for the Islanders, but they did earn two points in those games. So right now the Rangers have the same amount of games played as the Islanders, four points back, but they've got the tiebreaker. Rangers are in great shape with the tiebreaker. The RW, they have 30. 30 of their uh, 35 wins have come in regulation. That's five more than Carolina. That's seven more than Columbus. That's six more than the Islanders. So if the Rangers end up tied with these teams, they will have the tiebreaker. It doesn't seem logical in the last 19, 18 games of the season that teams are going to be able to make up that kind of a gap. So the Rangers now have a plus 19 goal differential. It was right there in the conversation with a playoff team that's nine better uh, than the Islanders. That is right now six better than Toronto uh, as a playoff team and just six back of Philadelphia, who sits in third in the division. So that's a big game tonight. We'll go over the schedule in just a little bit. But the Rangers getting closer. But the Blue Shirts, again, the schedule doesn't favor them as far as who they have to play. The home-and-home home against Philadelphia coming up. Then next Tuesday, home against the St. Louis Blues have won six in a row. Then Thursday against the Washington Capitals. And then they get a little bit of a break taken on the Devils coming back from their West Coast trip uh, next Saturday. So they've got a four-game homestand coming up. But three of the four teams that they'll play right now are higher in the standings than the Rangers are. And then after that four-game homestand, the Rangers have to go out west, Dallas, Colorado, and Arizona. So it definitely gets uh, very, very difficult as far as the schedule's concerned for the Rangers, but they're playing some terrific hockey and right now a realistic chance of making the playoffs. 
And now it just comes down to how much will we see Hank here as we wait for Shesterkin uh, to get back from his rib injury. Uh, Leafs beat the Panthers 5-3, to three, so the Leafs able to hold on to that three spot. Panthers, again, continue to be in free fall. Uh, they still have a realistic chance of making the playoffs, but they've won just four times in their last six. They've got 72 points, 64 games played. They've also got 30 RWs as well, so that puts them tied with Carolina, um, one behind Columbus, uh, excuse me, 28 row wins, excuse me. That puts them uh, three ahead of Carolina, five ahead of Columbus, and four ahead of the Islanders. So if they can just get their act together and start winning some games, I think the Panthers can uh, still be, from a, from a tiebreaker standpoint and an RW standpoint, Still find a way to figure it out. Possible Stanley Cup final preview, because I'm still believing in the Stars. But Boston gets that 4-3 win over the Dallas Stars. So that was a pretty significant win uh, for them. Um, Back and forth, but it was a 3-1 game after two in favor of Boston as Nick Ritchie gets his first goal as a Bruin. But the Stars come back and they get the Heskinen goal with less than two and a half to go. Um, to kind of get within one, but they just could not push it over the top to get the win. Pasternak now has 46 goals on the season. He continues to lead the league as Boston, taking advantage of Tampa's struggles, now have put together uh, a nice little run here. A wild trying to stay alive. They put a touchdown up on the Detroit Red Wings. You're to the point now where if you're playing the Red Wings, that has to be two points in the standings for you. And just a crazy seven goals for uh, the Minnesota Wild in this one is they just continue uh, to just pound on the Detroit Red Wings. Stahl now has 19 goals on the season, as you saw uh, seven different goal scorers for the Minnesota Wild. So the Wild trying to get into the playoffs out west, and, and they sit right now with 63 games played, 69 points. So they are three points back of Nashville with the same amount of games played and their RW they've got um, 27 to Nashville's 25 so Minnesota's still very much alive Arizona they're stuck with the 66 games played so they're just seeing all these teams catch them so right now Minnesota's just a point back of Arizona with three games in hand they are also just right now three points back of Winnipeg with three games in hand so Winnipeg and Arizona and Winnipeg did get a 3 nothing win over Washington last night in the back end of the home and home with the Caps, but they're in tough shape because of the amount of games that they played. So Minnesota, with three games in hand, can leapfrog over Winnipeg and Arizona very easily and then find themselves right there just focused with Nashville. So Minnesota very much in the thick of things uh, with the couple of wins in a row that they have. So they've got to be pretty excited there in Minnesota with a chance to still find a way to possibly squeak into the playoffs. Another situation where coaching change may have worked there in Minnesota. I believe they're 4-2 and two now since the firing of Bruce Boudreaux. So that uh, deal kind of worked for the Minnesota Wild. All right. Um, again, last night we told you San Jose beat New Jersey 3-2 to two in overtime. The Predators got their win over the Flames at overtime 4-3. to three. So that, again, significant in the race out west as well that the Predators got the win, but they had to get that row win, so that's going to affect tiebreakers uh, as well. But Nashville getting hot now, have played better under John Hines uh, over the last few. Granlin scores late. This is a crazy game at the end because Maggiapani scored 19-17 into the third period to give the Flames the 3-2 lead. So they're 43 seconds away from getting a regulation win. Huge win for the Flames, right? But then Granlin scores with one second left in regulation. So give Nashville credit. They end up tying the game 
uh, after they gave up the go-ahead goal with 47 seconds left in the period. And then Grantland scores a minute 20 into overtime. So that's a big win for the Nashville Predators. Get a point when it looked like for all intents and purposes they were going to lose that game in regulation. Not only do they not lose the game in regulation, but they go ahead and actually win it in overtime and get that extra point. So that was absolutely huge for the Nashville Predators, who are holding on to that final playoff spot out west. All right, let's take a look at the games tonight. There are five of them. We told you about the Rangers and the Flyers from Philadelphia. That's a big one. Blue Jackets, they're home for the Wild. Wild play in the second of back-to-backs. Blue Jackets, this will be their 66th game, so they've got to get to winning as well. So that's a big game for both the Wild and the Blue Jackets. Same for the Avalanche and the Hurricanes. Avalanche got bigger fish to fry. They're trying to keep pace with St. Louis in the Central, but the Hurricanes can actually fall into a tie for that final playoff spot. So Carolina can move up. The Rangers can move up. So certainly the Blue Jackets are going to feel the pressure tonight. So that's a big game in Carolina. Sabres and the Golden Knights. Golden Knights trying to hold on to the top spot in the Pacific Division. Penguins continue their western swing after a bad loss in Los Angeles to the Kings. They'll be in Anaheim to take on the Ducks as the Penguins continue to battle the Washington Capitals for first place in the division. As I mentioned, the Capitals lost to the Jets. They stay at 84 points. Pittsburgh's got two games in hand, four points back. And you look at the RW wins, Washington with 29, Pittsburgh with 26. So Pittsburgh can't right now just tie Washington. They're going to have to try to beat them outright in points. That's a big game, and Anaheim has been a a kind of a tough team to play here uh, down the stretch of the season. Even though they're out of it, traded some assets, uh, they've been a tough team. They have picked up six points in their last uh, ten games. So... Let's hear from you at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct, uh, as we get closer to giving our top five of the week. But I figure I'd read a couple of tweets here uh, before we do that. Uh, let's get started here with David Hine. He says, tremendous moment last night for Bobby Ryan in his return to Ottawa. How he managed to get back after his time away due to alcoholism was great, but not even Hollywood could have scripted that he'd get a hat trick as well. First airs, now this. What a week. Great point by you that that is a great story for Bobby Ryan on top of what happened with David Ayers. There's really some good stories here in what's supposed to be the dog days of uh, the NHL um, regular season. Courtney says, I saw the last night that this is what made me wonder why Adam Fox isn't being talked about more. Nothing against these guys, but Fox deserves to be in the mix. And, of course, she's talking about the Calder Trophy, uh, But uh, and, and you're looking at um, she found, like, the tracker with McCarr, Hughes, Olofsson, uh, Merzlikens, um, and looks like a lot of the votes are going to go to Cal. And because he was the favorite going in, um, but, you know, you can also look at um, the job that uh, the kid in Chicago has done, too. He's, he had a hat trick last night for the Chicago uh, Blackhawks. So it's very much up in the air. I think Fox has done a great job. But I think, Courtney, we're kind of biased because we watch the Rangers all the time and we see how good Adam Fox is. But does the rest of the NHL recognize it as much as the job that Hughes has done and McCarr has done in Colorado? So. I'm not surprised he isn't in the mix, but certainly Ranger fans can appreciate the job uh, that that Fox has done. Uh, Vincent says, can't wait to listen to today's show. Let's go Rangers, Panarin, Mika, top five uh, duo in the league if that line stays together. Yeah, they've just been terrific. And I'm also hearing a bit of a groundswell, too, of Zabanajad maybe fans wanting him to be the captain rather than Kreider. I, I just felt like... Kreider seemed to be the guy that I always felt once McDonough was traded to Tampa that he would get to be the captain. And and I always I, I've talked about this before. He's always the go to guy in that room. 
Like you always had to get sound in the post game for McDonough because he was the captain. Kreider took over that mantle. He just seemed like the perfect fit. Now that he's got the long term contract. So those those don't always have to go to the player with the most points or the player with the most goals or the best player. Who's the leader? And I think Mika is one of those leaders. I would probably give it to Kreider. It's really up to the team on what they want to do. The players, even more so than the coaches or anybody else. But it does seem like Mika's gotten ahead of steam from a lot of Ranger fans that he probably deserves the captaincy. Don LaGreca's Friday Top 5. Yeah, Yeah, let's get to that Top 5, shall we? And you know what? We've been talking about the Rangers. Number 5. I know they're 14th overall in the league, but you got to give them consideration with the way that they're playing. Nine of their last ten, five in a row, a franchise record, nine consecutive wins on the road. And it's not like they haven't had to face some adversity. Look at all the conversation. Who's going to get traded at the deadline? Didn't seem to bother them. Bushnevich has been out the last couple of games because of the car accident. Doesn't bother them. Shesterkin not playing the last couple of games because of the car accident. No problem. And they just continue to find ways to win games, doesn't matter who's between the pipes, doesn't matter who's hurt, doesn't matter who ends up being the star, whether it's you know Di Giuseppe getting them on the board last night, which I thought was an important goal when they were down 2 nothing. One night it's Mika, the other night it's Panera, another night it's Kreider. Howden's played better as of late. I think the Rangers deserve to be number 5. Number four. And I'm going to give it to the Philadelphia Flyers, the other team in that division that's been red hot. They've won four in a row, seven of their last ten. They have been unbelievable at home. Boston, St. Louis, the Philadelphia Flyers, they're your leader for victories at home with 22. So that's pretty rarefied air for Philadelphia. You're talking about the defending Stanley Cup champions, and oh, by the way, the best team in the NHL in the Boston Bruins, and Philadelphia is right there with them with victories at home. Pittsburgh also has 22 as well, but they've got six regulation losses to Philadelphia's five. So that's going to be an interesting game coming up tonight, but Philadelphia is starting to come together. This is a team that might actually find themselves in the mix to possibly win this division. Why not? I mean, Washington's got 64 games played with 84 points, while Philadelphia has got a game in hand with 79. They can win tonight. They can draw within three of the top spot in the division. I don't think anybody was thinking about that even just a couple of weeks ago. Number three. Number three is interesting because you can go a lot of different directions, but I'm going to go with the Colorado Avalanche. They've won four in a row. 7-2-1 and one in their last 10, plus 47 goal differential right now, has them tied for the best in the National Hockey League, and 20 wins on the road tells you just how good the Avalanche are. Number two. Number two, I am going to go with the St. Louis Blues. The Blues have won six in a row, 22 wins at home, as we mentioned. They were cold for a while. They have played a lot of games at 65, but they're starting to put it together, and they're starting to score a ton of goals. And let's not forget, they're going to get Tarasenko back at some point, and they obviously were able to load up on defense after the loss of Jay Bomeister. So the Blues, I have, is the second-best team in the league. Number one. Tampa had to get bounced out with this four-game losing streak, so Boston very quietly, seven wins in their last ten. Again, plus 47 goal differential, tied for the best uh, in the league with Colorado. They just continue to play an amazing clip, 92 points, so they're going to clip 100 at some point. And because, I guess the good news is, because they've been so bad in the shootout, the majority of their wins, 35 of their 40 have come in the RW, so that's going to mean they're going to have the tiebreakers come at the end if St. Louis makes a run for the President's Trophy 
trophy if Tampa makes a run for the top spot uh, in the Atlantic Division. But right now, I think the Boston Bruins are the best team in the National Hockey League. All right, let's continue on with your tweets. Irene says, hi, Don. Last night, the Sharks iced it on the power play. When that happens, Randy Hahn always says it's a disappointing tone, icing on the power play, which is never good. Do you have any phrases you tend to repeat when you call a game? That's pretty good. I'd have to ask other people because sometimes you don't know when you are um, saying being repetitive. You almost need somebody to remind you of that. Um, so I'd have to think about it. Um, I like to sometimes repeat who scored the goal. So like when Zabanajad scored the other night, I'll repeat like the full name. That's kind of my, my go-to thing. Um, but I don't know. Somebody else would have to tell me. So if anybody else listens to my play-by-play and they believe that there's something that I say too often, let me know. Irene obviously is a big Shark fan. She listens to Randy Hahn, which is a terrific guy. I, I, you know, I saw him and got a chance to talk to him for the first time in a while last Saturday when the Sharks were in town, but he is, he is a tremendous individual, and I never noticed that he does that icing on the power play, which is never good, uh, something that he repeats. But uh, I'll try to get you more information on that down the road. Troy says, which team is this week's top five should be considered the most dangerous heading into the playoffs? Well, I, I will say this, because I was thinking about that. Philadelphia could be scary dangerous, and, and here's why. Because Carter Hart's a young goaltender that if he can get hot, and there's a ton of experience on that Flyers team, and they also added toughness and some grit at the deadline with Grant and Thompson. I'm not saying they're going to make a run, but you asked of the five that I mentioned, Rangers that aren't in yet, Flyers who I think are in, you know, uh, St. Louis is not any wouldn't surprise anybody. Boston certainly wouldn't surprise anybody. I don't think Colorado would surprise anybody either. So of the teams I have in the top five, I think Philadelphia can be that team. They're not going to have a ton of pressure on them. Really good goaltending. Uh, guys that do have experience in the postseason before. Um, that could be a, a scary team. Uh, in, in, in the postseason. Uh, Ron asked, Hey, Don LeGrec, is this the week the Rangers cracked the Friday top five? I hope so. Have a great weekend. Well, you got your wish. They are certainly, uh, in the top five. Uh, Tom says, Don, Don, did you jump right into calling hockey games or did you call other sports first? Any tips for people who would want to get into play by play commentary? It's a tough nut to crack. For me, um, I had done some baseball. And basketball when I was in college, that's where I really got a chance to do some play-by-play. I kind of got thrown into the fire of the Rangers situation uh, because Bob Wischusen, who was the backup to Kenny Albert, had to leave because he was doing more college basketball and football for ESPN, so he couldn't do the Rangers anymore. So they auditioned me, and I got thrown in there in Philadelphia in October of two, 2008, and, and I've gotten games ever since, over 300 over that 10-plus year spam. But I think the best way to say the you know tips is you know if you're going to school, then try to try to do the college games when you can the baseball games, the basketball games, the football games. Uh, if you're out of college, it's really tough because where do you go to do it? Um, you know maybe you try to get a minor league job, maybe you try to do some play by play off the TV. One of the ways that I practiced for my audition back in 2008. I had a bunch of hockey games on VHS, and I threw them into the, the VCR, and I just kind of did the commentary from there to kind of practice to bone up for that rehearsal. So I kind of caught a break, but it, it's really difficult uh, to do 
when you're outside of college because are you going to be given that opportunity to do the play-by-play? But guys like Howie Rose, Howie Rose would just go into the blues at Madison Square Garden with a tape recorder and do the games. <laughs> That's where he was able to get his audition tapes, believe it or not. So I guess if you work really hard and try really hard, you might be able to find a way um, to get that experience, get that opportunity, but there's some of those other ways off the top of my head. Samuel says, hi, Don. When the first Winter Classic was played, the NHL said that they wanted to preserve the uniqueness of the outdoor game and not overdo it. Now there is an annual Winter Classic, Heritage Classic, and Stadium Series. What changed? Well, what changed is just the sheer popularity of the Winter Classic changed that. So that was the creation of the Stadium Series, because there are certain teams that will never get a chance to play in the Winter Classic, like the Islanders, the Devils, the Ducks, teams like that, that they play in a stadium series, and now they get their chance to play outdoors. So that's why. The Heritage Classic actually came before the Winter Classic. If you go back to when the first outdoor game was played in a regular season game, you go back to um, when the Canadians played the Edmonton Oilers back in the day. Um, in Edmonton, that was the first Heritage Classic, so they actually beat the Winter Classic. So I exclude the Heritage Classic from that question. The Stadium Series was just the popularity of the Winter Classic to give other teams a chance to play uh, in an outdoor game, and I think it actually has worked out very well. Uh, Michael says, Hi, Don. Other night during the Islanders-Rangers game, I noticed you were standing during during play. Do you broadcast um, and yourself like to stand during play and get a better view of the game, sit or depend on how the game is playing out. I always stand when I do the play-by-play, uh, unless I'm in an arena and and the Coliseum is close. I, I had to make sure that I wasn't blocking the view of Benoit Lair, who is the goaltending coach for the Rangers, and he assured me that I wasn't. But unless I'm blocking somebody's view, uh, I am going to stand. I just feel better. I breathe better. I think I, I, I'm more into the game than when I'm hunched over sitting. Um, some announcers like to sit, but I, I find it better to stand. So I'm not standing because it's a big moment or standing because it's a big game when I can, which is always pretty much now with the new arenas that I'm able to physically uh, stand. I think the only time I had to sit was at the Barkley Center because I was blocking the fans' view. But if I can, if I can stand, I'm going to stand. And I think it makes me sound better. It gets me more into the game. It just makes me feel uh, a lot more comfortable. Forrest says, hi, Don. It's been a hard season to watch the San Jose Sharks. With all of the draft picks that Wilson acquired, do you see him using them to trade for a new player there in this offseason, possibly which player? Or do you think his likely scenario is to use them for a rebuild? I think it's time to rebuild. I think I think you have to. I mean, Thornton, 40. Marlowe's been around for a long time. You know, you lost Pavelski during the course of the offseason. Carlson always seems to be hurt, which I think has to be a legitimate problem uh, for the Sharks. Their goaltending has been a mess. I, I really don't see any anything there. I know they went to the conference final last year, but I don't really see anything there that leads me to believe they're close. So I, I think it might be time for a rebuild there. All right, this was fun. A lot of people reacting, which I think is good. And it's important because the next time we do a podcast on Monday, we're going to be in the March. So we're getting down into the teens as far as games are left. The races in both conferences are tremendous. Divisional races are very much up in the air. You know, you look at the, um, you look at the divisions. Washington, a four point lead on Pittsburgh. Okay. Boston has a seven point lead on Tampa, but I wouldn't call that over just yet. 
Um, right now, there's a five-point lead for St. Louis over Colorado, and Vegas is a four-point lead over Vancouver. So all the divisions, I think, are in play. Wild card, we've got a bunch of teams that still can believe they're, that they're alive for a playoff spot. Teams on the outside looking in that could still make the playoffs. Carolina, Rangers, Florida. I think you got, you go three deep in the East. And in the West, Winnipeg, Arizona, Minnesota, maybe Chicago. You can go four deep teams on the outside looking in. So you've got seven non-playoff teams as we speak here on February 28th that could still realistically make the playoffs. That tells me that the regular season has meaning and tells me that March is going to be a lot of fun. All right, enjoy your weekend, everybody. I'm going to be doing uh, hosting the pre and post for the Rangers Flyers tonight and Sunday afternoon at the Garden. So if you're going to be at the Garden, uh, tweet me. Let me know where you're going to be. I'll come by and say hello because I will have that free time on Sunday. Then it's off to Dave Rothenberg's son's bar mitzvah. So I'm looking forward to that. Believe it. Believe it. I'm 52 years old. It'll be my first bar mitzvah. Kind of strange. All right. Back with you on Monday. EJ Raddick will be our special guest as he usually is on Monday. Want to get in touch with me at Don LeGrec is the way to do it with the hashtag game misconduct. Have fun weekend. Enjoy your hockey back with you again on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on the Michael K. Show weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York and worldwide on the ESPN app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct podcast wherever you get your podcasts.